We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Ron DeSantis is going to announce today that he is running for the presidency of the United States of America. He's going to do it on Twitter with the support of Elon Musk. And other major donors are coming out and flipping from Donald Trump to DeSantis. And I'm going to tell you today why this is a good thing and why I support Ron DeSantis for the presidency of the United States. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening to the show. All right, Ron DeSantis is going to announce today, probably a few hours after this particular episode of The Rebellion, is broadcast on radio and then posted via podcast on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Ron DeSantis is going to announce that he's running for the presidency of the United States, and he's joining others that are already in the field, like Nikki Haley. It appears that Tim Scott is in. Others are going to run also. We're going to have a robust Republican primary. I'm going to tell you why I think this is a good thing and not a bad thing. And before we take a break, let me just say this. It is a good thing to have competition. Conservatives believe in competition. We believe in free enterprise. We believe in the open and robust exchange of ideas. We believe in the First Amendment. We believe that you should be able to express your ideas freely in this culture and in this society. That's why you and I agree on the critique of education, for example. When any educational institution starts censoring people that they just don't like, you've got a problem here. And don't go down this rabbit trail. Well, you're a Christian. You ran a Christian university. You censored people on your campus, didn't you? No, I didn't. People that make that accusation don't understand the difference between a good debate and implicitly endorsing or affirming a bad idea. All right, when I have an unpopular idea within a Christian university, for example, if somebody wanted to express the fact that they disagreed with Christianity, if I had a student or if I had a guest speaker that didn't agree with evangelical Christianity. I didn't censor them. I countered them. There's a difference here. I didn't implicitly endorse their speech by affirming them and being tolerant of them and not challenging them. But if we had a speaker on campus that disagreed with our values and I with them, we had an option here. We could host them as a speaker. We could allow students to hear their ideas. And then we as an institution could counter those ideas and say why we disagreed. That's not censorship. That's engaging in the conversation. That's engaging in debate. That's basically arguing that there's a good idea here, there's a bad idea. Somebody's right, somebody's wrong. The law of non-contradiction applies here. And we're going to tell you why we disagree with this person's views on religion, on theology, on the Bible, on politics, on the economy. I said many times over, 
Oklahoma Wesleyan University, a Christian university, is, an, is the ideal place to have a debate, for example, between uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, or between Donald Trump and President Biden. Why not? Oh, well, you might say, Piper, you disagree with Biden. Yeah, I do. I disagree with him on almost every point, but if I had the opportunity to have him speak on our campus, I would still welcome it. Why? Why? Why would you do that? Because I can allow him to talk, and then we can point out to our students after he does why we disagree, and then encourage our students to make up their mind in an informed fashion. I can, I can express why I think Joe Biden's views of the Bible are broken and wrong because he's inconsistent, he's duplicitous, he's hypocritical. He says he's a Catholic and then he disavows Catholic history, tradition, reason, and scripture. He, he, he says he supports children and then he lobbies for butchering children, removing their functioning organs when they're 10, 12, 13, 14 years of age. And moreover, he believes that executing them five seconds before they exit the birth canal is somehow a moral good. I can point out why I disagree with that. Now, if I brought him to campus and allowed him to say those things and do so unchallenged, then I think I've compromised my institution's mission and the integrity of my Christian college. But a Christian college is not a college of censorship and propaganda. A Christian college is a place of pursuing the truth and trusting that the truth with a capital T will win. A Christian college, a truly liberal arts college, allows students, grants them the liberty to hear what I'm saying right now and disagree with what I'm saying, but then they're going to be subject to a redirect. I'm going to say, well, you disagree with me. Here's why I think you're wrong. I've been around the block a couple times more than you have, student X, Y, or Z, I was pro-choice at one time. I'm not now. I'm pro-life. I don't believe abortion in any case is right or moral or good, and here's why. Oh, yeah, we had a speaker on campus that disagreed with me, but we do not endorse that speaker's conclusions. I mean, we can do that at a Christian college. I was very tempted at, at, uh, at Oklahoma Wesleyan University to try to establish an institute where people like Jesse Jackson, for example, could come to college and present their views, and then we could have somebody like a Tim Scott there at the same time, to refute, to dispute, to argue with, to debate Jesse Jackson's ideas on how to solve racial conflict within the United States, why Jackson's are broken and why Tim Scott's ideas are better. This is education. This is a good education. And we need to remember that this type of exchange is very important when it comes to even the right side of the political aisle, the conservative side, the Republican side, the GOP side. It's important to have the same debate. And those that are saying that Ron DeSantis needs to just stay out of the race, he's going to hurt Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's chances, baloney, nonsense, nonsense. Why in the world wouldn't Republicans want a good, healthy race? Competition. If competition is good in the business sector, if free enterprise is good, then why wouldn't it be likewise good and beneficial in the political realm? We should welcome a good argument in the Republican Party. We don't just coronate a king. It's very frustrating to have Republicans try to shut down other Republicans because you don't march lockstep, goose-stepping with their given candidate, whether it's Donald Trump or anybody else. 
Donald Trump has the right to run. Bring it on. Tim Scott has the right to run. Everybody has the right to run. Now, I support Ron DeSantis, and I'll tell you why. But let's take a break, and when we get back, I'll share with you the um, Daily Wire article that I think sets the context for this. And then I'm going to revisit some of the ideas that I've expressed before on this show with regard to the importance of a competitive primary and why I think Ron DeSantis can win and Donald Trump simply can't. And if I've lost any of you already because you're mad because, well, Piper's a never-Trumper. Baloney, nonsense. I am not a never-Trumper. If you've listened to this show, you know I'm not. I've voted for the guy twice and I've defended why. But he can't win in this next election. I firmly believe that. And I know this. The Democrats don't think he can win either. And that's why. That's why they're doing everything in their power to gin up to gin up conflict within the GOP so that Donald Trump is the perfunctory winner already and everybody else is just dismissed. They want you to fight with one another. They want a house divided. The Democrats know that if they can get the Republican House divided, that it cannot stand. And they also know that Donald Trump simply can't win, especially in the key competitive states. I believe that. And I think the data shows that to be true. And that's why we need to go to our bench. That's why Donald Trump should be a kingmaker right now, and he should hand the baton to the next guy. Good leaders, excellent leaders, the greatest leaders in history lead by leaving. You hand the baton when you're in full stride, and you celebrate the next leg of the race while you stand and watch them run a little bit faster than you could. It doesn't diminish your contribution to the relay. What it says is that you've got the humility, the integrity, the statesmanship to hand the baton to the next generation. Be a kingmaker. Stop trying to hang on to the throne to the ring of power. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need, sold. The Patriot Auto Group, proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I want you to know something before I get into the rest of the show. Just a little heads up here. 
I, I'm doing today's show, which is Wednesday. We'll do tomorrow's show, Thursday, and then Friday. Friday of this week will be the last daily installment of the rebellion. Now, the reason for that is I've been doing this for some time. I get up every morning. I do this show. I've told you over and over again that I don't do it just to hear myself talk. I've asked for uh, people to join the rebellion via patreon.com. This show, The Rebellion, is, is broadcast daily, Monday through Friday in the morning, as a talk radio program at KOKL Radio down in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. And I'm very grateful to Brooks Brewer of KOKL, who's been carrying this show on a daily basis for 700 episodes plus. Um, I'm grateful for Tedford Insurance and Patriot Auto Group for sponsoring the show. But Friday's going to be the last daily installment. The reason for that is, uh, frankly, it's, um, it's, it's a, a show that uh, I think people want to listen to. But um, I need more people with skin in the game if we're going to continue to do it. Um, you can't just do something on a daily basis like this, get up and do your homework or do the research, or do the reading, and then the spot, spend the time actually doing the broadcast um, for uh, minimal support and participation. So I'm going to step back away from it, and uh, we'll continue to do the rebellion, but on a much more um, limited basis. Might do one broadcast a week. Uh, posted on podcast. So I just want you to know, I'm going to give you a heads up that Friday, Friday's episode, two days from now, will be the last of the daily installments. I'll keep the rebellion alive by doing it on a more uh, limited basis. Like I said, maybe a weekly uh, broadcast slash podcast that'll be posted on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple. Okay, so just FYI, heads up there. If um if you want to reach out and let us know whether or not you are interested in continuing to support the rebellion or join and um, get on board in a way that's over and above what you've already been doing, that's great. Uh, but we'll set the course, we'll set the ship in a direction that the the wind that fills our sails will have to be you. And if there are more people filling those sails, then we'll readjust and we'll tack back and forth differently than what I just said. But until those sails are filled with a real strong headwind of support, support from those that are listening. We're going we're gonna, to uh, reevaluate for a while, okay? So back to my point today. Ron DeSantis is officially declaring a presidential run, and he's going to do this in an event with Elon Musk. This is posted in the Daily Wire. came out yesterday. All right, here's, here's the way it reads. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is officially entering the 2024 presidential race this week during a special event with Twitter owner Elon Musk. The conversation between DeSantis and Musk will take place on Twitter at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. That's today, 6 p.m. So at 6 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, here in the United States, Ron DeSantis, a very popular governor of Florida, a man that won an essential, in an essential landslide in what used to be, just yesterday, a swing state, Florida. He's going to announce that he's going to run for the presidency of the United States. Now, if you've listened to my show over the last year or so, you know that I support Ron DeSantis, and I have a variety of reasons why. But I want to read a little bit more from this release, this story out of the Daily Wire. 
The conversation will be moderated by Republican donor David Sachs, who is a supporter of DeSantis and a close ally of Musk. The Daily Wire can confirm that the reports are accurate. Then the Daily Wire goes on and says, Musk seemingly confirmed the report on the platform by retweeting a Fox News reporter who shared the news. A source close to Musk told NBC News that Musk believes that the former president, Donald Trump, is not capable of winning the White House in 2024, and that that DeSantis is. He's interested in the future, and he's interested in winning again, the person said. They're referring to Elon Musk. So Elon Musk is saying that he doesn't think Donald Trump is capable of winning the White House in 2024, and that DeSantis is. I want to repeat that. I want to repeat that. That's a critical point. That's a critical point in this story from the Daily Wire. It's a critical point being made by Elon Musk, and it's the exact same point that I am making on today's show and that I've made before. Donald Trump is not capable of winning the White House in 2024. Elon Musk is saying that. Other people are saying that. I'm saying that. And here is the rest of this story, and then I'm going to tell you why I agree with Elon Musk. The 44-year-old governor, this is DeSantis, will file paperwork with the Federal Election Commission later on today or perhaps tomorrow, and then he will officially launch his campaign. Following the event on Twitter tonight, DeSantis is expected to appear on Fox News to give his first post-announcement interview with Trey Gowdy at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox Tonight, Fox News Tonight. Now, some of you are going to say, oh, Fox is terrible. We're not going to listen to that. There you go. You're in the establishment. You're in the swamp because you're paying attention to, to Fox. Stop. Just stop. I don't care where it's coming from. Pay attention to the news, to the facts. Stop shooting the messenger. Stop the ad hominem attack. Stop shooting the messenger rather than listen to the message. The fact of the matter is, right now, whether you like it or not, if you want people to know nationally what you're doing, then you need to let Fox know about it. Whether you agree with Fox, and I don't. I think Fox's decision to fire Tucker Carlson is an abomination. And I I yearn for the day when somebody like Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson and maybe some of these other uh, news uh, people, uh, news sources that are trustworthy, wouldn't it be interesting if Tucker Carlson and Megyn Kelly and... uh, Maybe the Daily Wire and, and maybe Prager University. Maybe get some of the other former Fox personalities like Bill O'Reilly. Wouldn't it be interesting if you had those people come together and start a new network that actually shared the news? Actually shared the news, allowed people to say what needs to be said without all of this woke editing and censorship and canceling and fact-checking, which is anything but pursuing of the of facts. Wouldn't that be interesting? So I I agree with all of you, but right now you don't have that. Right now we still have to listen to what Trey Gowdy and others are saying on Fox. And if you you don't, I guarantee you, you're handing the next election to the Democrats. Because they still have their platform. Fox's platform is compromised. I don't know what's going on, but you need to at least listen to these types of things that are coming out of there. At least they are going to give DeSantis an opportunity to say what he wants to say without editing him and censoring him. All right, back to the article. 
A source close to Musk told the Daily Wire that they believe that DeSantis' announcement with Musk will trump the manner in which other candidates have announced because the event will be seen by a larger audience. So Elon Musk is trying to provide the platform right now just via Twitter. And that's great. That's great. But that doesn't mean that Elon Musk is stupid enough to ignore Fox. No. And it doesn't mean DeSantis would be stupid enough to do that either. So Elon Musk and and DeSantis are going to use the platform out there, not only Twitter's platform, but they're also going to leverage that platform by by listening and using Fox and some of the supportive personalities there like Trey Gowdy. All right, so why is this important? Well, it's important because of that statement that Elon Musk made. He doesn't believe that Donald Trump can win. Now, I've said that a thousand times over on this show. Donald Trump is too polarizing. It's basically a 50-50 split at best, even within the Republican Party. Donald Trump is only polling at about 52% within the Republican Party right now. And you say, well, Ron DeSantis is only polling in the 20% range in terms of primary preferences. Okay, fine. Fine. But a former president of the United States, somebody who was as popular as Donald Trump within the GOP, is only polling at 52% right now. Only half of Republicans want him to be president. Stop and think about that. Only half of Republicans want him to be president. That tells you something. They recognize he's too polarizing. Now, when you get beyond the GOP data and you start looking at the nation as a whole, Donald Trump starts polling below 50%. Do you really believe that Donald Trump's numbers are going to go up with independents and Democrats? Do you think he's going to capture more of those votes? If you do, I've got a bridge to sell you in the Mojave. Donald Trump's numbers will never go up on the left side of the aisle. They hate him. They despise him. There's nothing about him that they will ever support. I have family who used to be conservative who will never, ever vote for Donald Trump because of who he is. I disagree with them. I've voted for Trump twice because I think in a general election, you have the obligation to vote for the greatest measure of freedom that you can get. And I believed when Donald Trump was running against Hillary that there was no question. There was no question. I didn't know for sure what Donald Trump was going to do at that point in time in 2016, but I voted for him because he prevailed in a competitive primary. He beat he beat Ted Cruz. He beat Rubio. He beat Rand Paul. Now, personally, at the time, I, I preferred Ted Cruz. I've told you that before on this show. But that isn't to say that once Ted Cruz lost, that I was just going to become a never-Trumper like David French and, and Russell Moore and other evangelicals. No, because it was unquestionable that Hillary Clinton was going to bring bad policy, terrible policy, unconstitutional policy, to bear on the United States of America. I, I, there's n- and that, that's, that says nothing about her, her terrible moral philosophy and her social philosophy on abortion and marriage, the uh, subjective identity claims of, of identity politics and how bad that is for the United States and how unconstitutional it is and how ontologically and epistemologically, theologically, logically, and biologically flawed Hillary Clinton's worldview is. So no, I could do nothing to aid and abet her, and I did nothing. I voted for Donald Trump. And I've told you before, I was surprised with how he followed through on some of his 
campaign promises, and I'm grateful for them. And then I voted for him a second time against Joe Biden. Don't tell me, yeah, but Donald Trump won and the, the, the election was rigged. Maybe it was. I don't know. But if we keep whining about all this, if we keep looking back over our shoulder all the time and talking about 2020 rather than 2024 and where we are today and what we need to do, we will lose. And the Democrats know that. This is not a winning argument to keep talking about the election of 2020. We will lose. You're just going to divide America further. You're going to continue to lose people that yesterday would have voted GOP but now won't because they're tired of it. They're tired of the juvenile antics. They're tired of the mean-spiritedness. They're tired of it. But I can tell you right now, you can move the needle, you can move the needle into a winning category, substantially so, if you go with a strong conservative bench rather than the old guard. I, I, I don't think Mike Pence is a viable candidate either. Go to the next generation. Mike Pence and Donald Trump and people of that era need to hand the baton. They need to be kingmakers. They need to recognize that great leadership leads by leaving. Leave. Leave with dignity. Leave with a, a stride uh, of confidence. Lead with your head held high. Lead being thanked and honored as a statesman and a kingmaker, rather than somebody who keeps grasping onto the throne and wants to be the perpetual king. You may say that's unfair. That's not what Donald Trump is doing. I don't know. Maybe it is unfair. I can't read his mind. But what I can say is I can look at the facts. The data shows that even the Republican Party is, is split 50-50 on Donald Trump. And the numbers get a lot worse when you move into the general public. Donald Trump will never gain another vote for those that claim to be Democrat. They despise him. You know that. They hate him. And the independents aren't going to lean his direction. The people like those folks in my family that used to vote GOP and now won't, they vote Democrat for a variety of different reasons that are stupid and ill-informed. But one of the reasons is the emotional distaste for Donald Trump and the way he conducts himself. And I've always said, I don't defend the way he conducts himself. What I defend is his policies. Yeah, he, he has mean tweets. Yeah, I think they're juvenile. I think, I think they hurt him rather than help him. I don't appreciate his moral nihilism when it comes to LGBTQIA. And that is a fact. I'm not making it up. He had his pro-rainbow cabal party at Mar-a-Lago. You know that. Even his son is telling us to back off on our boycott of... Budweiser and Bud Light, because they give more money to the GOP than others do. So right when we have a win, a win on the LGBTQ nonsense, the trans nonsense, the Dylan Mulvaney craziness, right when we've got a win, we've got them on their knees, we've got them running, the Donald Trump side of the party says, back off, don't be so harsh on them. And I've told you that when I met with Donald Trump, that he is not a conservative on this stuff. He doesn't care about the trans stuff. I mean, he didn't care when I challenged him on that. I've told you that story. Here's the point. A good, robust primary is good for the party. Support Donald Trump in the primary if you want, but don't disparage those of us who support another candidate because we think it's a better strategy. Ron DeSantis won by, what was it, 16, 17 points in Florida. That's unheard of for a, a conservative. And don't tell me he's not conservative. This man has put his name on the line for conservative issues, economically and socially. He knows who he is. He knows what his values are. Perfect? No. 
do I consider they're better than Donald Trump's? Yes, I do. Can Ron DeSantis win? Absolutely. The Democrats are terrified of Ron DeSantis. They're licking their chops at the opportunity to run against Donald Trump because they know that what he's got right now is all he's going to get. And they know that they have more than 50% of the electorate already saying, come hell or high water, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. Even former Republicans, the never-Trumpers, will be on their side, and they're licking their chops, thinking the Republican Party needs to be handed their head because they're foolish enough to keep going with a man that can't win. I'm telling you people, the data shows he can't. Elon Musk knows it. The Daily Wire knows it. Other major Republican donors know it. Ron DeSantis knows it. Tim Scott knows it. You know it and I know it. He can't win. We have to hand the baton to the next generation. The greatest frustration I have right now with Donald Trump is that he's refusing to acknowledge that. It's this Tolkien-type golem grasping onto the ring of power. My precious, my precious. You stole the ring of power from me. You rigged the election. And I'm going to continue to grovel and grasp and argue that you give me back my ring. No, that's not leadership. That's not leadership. Real leaders leave. They lead by leaving. We need to support a primary that allows us to pick a leader of the next generation rather than looking over our shoulder and bemoaning the past. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.